going or there's a physical ailment that has been bothering you maybe for years now and the healing just hasn't come. There are so many things that create discouragement in our lives and it's so important for us to talk about it as Christians uh, because discouragement can crush the divine destiny that God has for us if we let it. Um, Contrary to popular belief, pastors and priests uh, go through discouragement too. Um, recently, I went through a period of discouragement. I had connected with a new ministry and I thought they were going to be doing something here at the church and it ended up, it all seemed to be working really good and moving along quickly and then at the last minute it got nixed and it didn't work and I was just left discouraged, wondering, Lord, why did it get this far and then it just fell and I just had to let go of it and I had to realize it wasn't the season for that to happen. Now, it's a small thing somewhat, but it was discouraging nonetheless. Now, um, Elijah, the story of Elijah today has much to say to us about discouragement and how God meets us in it. So that's where we're going to be today. If you want to follow along, I'd encourage you to do so. But first, I want to give you a little bit of context to the story that we read in First Kings chapter 19, which will help make chapter 19 make a little bit more sense. So Elijah is a prophet who is called by God to do, you know, it's the, the most unpopular job in Israel. There's lots of job openings for prophet, um, but to speak truth to power and wickedness and corruption. And Elijah um, unfortunate guy that he is, gets paired up to have a ministry of prophecy against the king Ahab. Now, let me read you about Ahab really briefly from chapter 16. This is what we read about Ahab at his installation as king of Israel. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. How would you like to have that on your resume? This guy um, was incredibly corrupt. He erected uh, uh, pillars to Baal, a false pagan god, led the people of Israel into idolatry and the worship of, of foreign gods. He married an incredibly wicked woman named Jezebel. Has anyone met someone who named their daughter Jezebel yet? There's a reason for that, as you'll as you'll see now. Um. Ahab, the the list just goes on and on. He abused his family for personal gain. This guy made uh, Osama bin Laden look like a saint. Okay, we're talking true, true corruption, a truly corrupt heart. And Elijah is commissioned by God to go to Ahab and say, there's going to be a drought. He prophesies there's going to be a drought in the land. And he says, and it's not going to rain until I pray for it to rain. So uh, they're right off the bat, starting off on the wrong foot. Ahab calls, Elijah's got a nickname for him, he calls him the troubler of Israel. And um, what happens is, is that the story goes on and Elijah ends up, we know, a lot of us know this story, he ends up on Mount Carmel in a kind of uh, face-to-face battle with the prophets of Baal. And he says, if Baal's the true God, why don't you erect an altar and put a sacrifice on it and call Baal to come and consume the sacrifice with fire. And I'm going to do the same with Yahweh, the God of Israel. And Elijah's just having a good old time. He's because they're calling out to Baal. They're cutting themselves, doing self-mutilation to try to appease him, to get him to come. And nothing's happening. And Elijah's like, oh, maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. Why is he not showing up? And then Elijah prays a simple prayer. And the God of Israel comes down and consumes a, an altar that Elijah had uh, doused in water just for more dramatic effect. Um, and Elijah's just, he's just having a great time. 
And then uh, what happens is Elijah has all of these wicked prophets slaughtered with the sword by prophets of Israel. And Ahab uh, goes and he tells his, uh, his bride, Jezebel, what has happened. Now, listen to Jezebel's response. Now, you got it. When I read this, I hear like, you know, 101 Dalmatians, Cruella DeVille, like the hair and the spinning eyes and the cigarette and the cigarette holder. And she sends a messenger. And I'm, my version is my preaching by is a little bit different version than what you're reading, but it's pretty close. She sends a messenger to Elijah. So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Right. She's like, you are going to uh, I am going to if, if it takes everything in my resources, I am going to have your life by tomorrow for what you have done. She this is a bloodthirsty, wicked woman. And so naturally, Elijah is afraid. And what he does is he 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 runs he goes on a journey and he actually moves towards Beersheba. Now, he, this is south geographically. This is the direction he's headed in his south. It doesn't say that in the text, but that's important. Um, and he, he goes on a day's journey and he's in the wilderness and he comes and sits down under a broom tree. Now, listen to the mindset that he's in. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better off than my father's. See, Elijah's like a manic depressive, right? He's up on Mount Carmel, and he's like, Woohoo! God of Israel, yeah! And then all of a sudden, things get bad, and he's like, I'm suicidal. I don't want to live anymore. He feels bad for himself. Now, I love how merciful God is in a periods of discouragement. He falls asleep, and an angel of the Lord, sent by God, shakes him and says, arise and eat. And he wakes up and there's a fresh baked cake and a jug of water sitting right there. You know, sometimes what we need is a good nap and a snack. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Elijah needed two naps and two snacks because he went into a food coma and fell back asleep and the angel had to wake him up again and feed him again and said, it's time to get going because the journey is going to be too hard for you. You see, God will nourish us in times of difficulty. And we can't over underestimate how God will use natural things to bless us and strengthen us when we're in periods of discouragement. We'll say more about that in a little while. Now, here's what happens. Elijah gets up and he goes, but he's not all better yet. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. You see this withdrawal into the cave. It's something that most of us do in periods of discouragement. We, we, our guard goes down spiritually because we withdraw from life. We withdraw from other people, withdraw from church. We withdraw from things and we end up vulnerable and our guard is down. And we begin, this is when the enemy's voice begins to get very, very powerful and influential in our ears. It's that voice that says, you just deserve a night of binge-watching television all night long. You deserve to dabble in a little pornography because it's not fair what you're going through. You deserve to go out and have a couple of drinks because this just is not fair. You, you deserve this. You see, discouragement can easily lead to self-indulgence. And we have to be cautious here because the self-indulgence will actually leave you emptier than you were before. Have you ever woke up in the morning after watching five hours of Walking Dead and eating a half gallon of ice cream and felt good? No. 
Some of us have done that. You feel worse and you feel emptier than when you started. And so God and Elijah have a chat. And God says to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, God is always drawing us into conversation, even when we're in times of difficulty. And Elijah says this, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. I'm the only faithful one left in all the world, Lord. And look what I've got, a raw deal. I've just, I've just got vigilantes out after to take my life. What is the purpose of anything? See, he is having a pity party for himself. Now, discouragement is a real thing. I am not condemning anyone for experiencing discouragement. I'm not telling you it's a sin to be discouraged. I'm asking you to believe what the Bible says about you during times of discouragement. Do you remember this passage from St. Paul in Romans chapter 8? He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Sometimes we get to a place when all we can do is trust in the finished work of the cross. And that Jesus has accomplished our salvation. And that has to be enough for a time. See, you are a son. You are a daughter of a daddy, Abba, God, who will not forsake you. It's his promise. Even when it feels like you've been forsaken. Now, Elijah's having this, this pity party for himself. Because he's worked hard for the Lord. And he's seen a ton of miracles. He's seen the power of God on display. And now he's left with nothing except a group of men coming after his life. Now, notice this little detail in the text. What God says to him after he, you know, says, I'm the only faithful one. There's no one else. God says, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. Calls him out of the cave. You see? He calls him out of the cave. God calls us out of our caves in times of discouragement because he desires to address us. Now we get to the part where I like to call it the earth, wind, and fire concert because um, the wind comes through and it's whipping all of these manifestations, but the, the Lord's not in them, right? He sees the wind come through and it's whipping rocks off the mountainside. It's very powerful. Then there's an earthquake. And then there's this powerful whirlwind of fire that comes by. And in each one it says, but the Lord was not in them, that the Lord was not in it, but the Lord was not in it. And then uh, we read, I want to read you what the, the actual Hebrew says. It's kind of a difficult passage to translate it. Uh, in Hebrew, it's kol demama dacha. It means a voice, a thin silence. And that's where the Lord addresses Elijah. Now, you might have heard, well, this just means that the Lord always speaks in a still, small voice to us. He never. Now, that's not what it's saying. God's actually letting Elijah see all the powerful stuff pass by and then showing him that sometimes he speaks in the silent and the quiet. Because Elijah loved all the powerful stuff like on Mount Carmel. You see, that's like us. We love it. We expect God to always show up in tangible and felt ways so that we can know 
that he's there, and sometimes it's in the silence and in the quiet that he is speaking the loudest. Because you see, sometimes in periods of discouragement, when God is silent, he's allowing us to discover something about ourselves. And so he waits and he remains silent while we go through this process of discovery and recognizing what he wants us to see. When I was recently going through a period of discouragement, uh, the Lord just said, Cam, you're too quick to give up. You lose heart too fast when you don't feel my presence with you or when you don't see me acting in the ways that you expected me to, to see me working. And then you indulge in things that don't actually help. And meanwhile, I'm like eating my chips. You're so right. You're so right. Like eating the ice cream. You know, you see, God is not mean. But he wants us to grow. Because it will strengthen us for the journey. And he'll provide the nourishment. He'll provide the the cake, the snack, and the water, and the nap. And he'll get us back on our feet. But Paul says, the motto for Paul says this. He says, suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope will not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. The Holy Spirit does not wander off and leave you just because you're not feeling the presence of God in a time of discouragement. You see, if we let discouragement ruin us, we will miss out on the destiny that God is drawing us towards. Destiny is a very biblical idea. There's a corporate destiny for the church, which is eternal life and the new creation and the presence of God. But there's individual callings on each of our lives, each of our lives. And you, you can never miss this. You know, sometimes you might think, well, I'm too old. I've missed my opportunity. Remember the prophecy in Acts chapter 2? He says, your old men will see dreams and your young men will see visions. God gives dreams and visions even to the elderly. You see, it's never too late to keep seeking God for what our call and our purpose is in life. But when we let discouragement start to hold us down, the enemy will use it. Don't pray. You don't have enough energy to pray. You don't feel God's presence, so how are you going to pray? Don't go to church. You just need to stay home and rest. And just when you see the, you deserve it. Right? The enemy uses that things to keep us away from the, the things that God would use to encourage us and draw us closer into his presence. Countless people have turned away from Jesus and the church because they've encountered some kind of suffering in their life that they couldn't make sense of. And and I don't want to belittle that. I don't want to belittle people's suffering. But you see, the people of God have a destiny and an inheritance that we have to hold on to his promises that will sustain us through those periods. Paul says that we're children of God, and he says, and thus, heirs. We have an inheritance. We're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And then he says this, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This does not mean, it does not follow that God is the one who is inflicting suffering and disease and sickness on people. I do not believe that is true. But he does allow us to go through periods of difficulty so that we will grow. And that we will learn to cling to his promises. That we will learn to trust in nothing but the finished work of Jesus. Chuck Yeager 
was a World War II fighter pilot. Um, some of you, you know who this is. And on October 14th, some years after the war, 1947, he broke the speed of sound uh, flying a Bell X-1 airplane. Now, this, he was going fast. The speed of sound is about, I looked it up, it's about 767 miles an hour. <laughs> he was cruising. And, and, the, and when he was asked, how did you do it? Because other fighter pilots had died in the attempt. They, they, when the turbulence got too rough, they tried to redirect their planes and things, bad things happened and they lost their lives. And Chuck Yeager said, when the turbulence got so intense that it, it was almost unbearable, he accelerated through it and boom, the sonic boom happened and people from the ground could hear it. And he said, after that, it was like this great tranquil peace and the plane just, just glided at that speed. You see, some of you have been going through a period of discouragement, depression, anxiety, fear, and you're on the brink of a breakthrough. And you just need to keep pressing in to the Lord because he doesn't want you to lose heart. Jesus taught his disciples a parable saying, always pray and never lose heart. He's a God of encouragement you see, Elijah, God, God picked him up. You know what he did? He sent him back north. He said, I'm not done with you. I know you're afraid. But here, I'm going to nourish you, and I'm going to redirect your steps, and I'm going to put you back on the path of your purpose and your destiny. And Elijah went back to anoint new kings, to anoint a successor who could continue to carry out the purposes of God. Elisha, we're going to hear about him uh, in the next couple of weeks here. And he walked in a life of miracles. Elijah was a person who carried the glory of God wherever he went, lived a supernatural life. And he was so such a holy man of God that he was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind of fire. He never even faced death. Now imagine if he would have given up in that cave. He would have missed his divine calling. Now, someone else didn't give up. And because of his pressing through, we are here today, saved, loved, forgiven, and redeemed. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Jesus, who for the joy set before him, the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. You see, because he was not willing to let discouragement and anxiety and despair defeat him, because when he looked out at the world, and when he looked out at us and saw us dying in our sins, he said, I will not let them perish in their sins. I will give my life for the sake of the world that I love. And he pressed through. And he got his breakthrough. And his destiny was to be raised from the dead and to reign on high. And friends, he made that destiny your destiny too. So don't give up. Don't lose heart. Let's get practical. What do you do in times of discouragement? It's a real thing. Anxiety, depression. It is real. And it is a battle for some of us. It seems like it just is not giving up. I want to suggest a few things. Number one, pray the Psalms, the Psalms of lament, especially 
There are many of them, and we see that the writers of Scripture go through the same kind of discouragement that we go through, where they feel like the presence of God has abandoned them. Did you hear Psalm 42 that we prayed today? Some of you were reading that, and you, you just connected with it. It touched your heart. He says things like this, My tears have been my food day and night. He says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Yet I will hope in God. The Psalms give us words to pray when we are so discouraged that we don't even have words to pray. When that happens to you, get this out and just pray what's here. God has given it to us for that very reason. Number two is this. Ask what natural remedies God might want you to consider. Sometimes we over-spiritualize our situation. And God is like, you know what? You just need to exercise and eat a little bit healthier and drink more water and get a better night's sleep and stop watching TV until four in the morning. Don't underestimate how God, this is his good world. There are things in the created order that God uses to nourish us and refresh us. He gave Elijah bread and water. There are some lifestyle changes that some of us need to make in the physical world. And our spiritual life is going to get a whole lot better because of that. Number three is this, reflect on the faithfulness of God in the past. This was a practice of the psalmists because it helped them stay grounded in periods when they didn't feel his presence and his blessing. Psalm 77, he's the guy, the psalmist is just lamenting. He says, has God forgotten his to be gracious to us? And then he says this, you are a God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. They would constantly recall what God did in the Exodus so that they'd be reminded that he's a faithful God who is not going to abandon them. How has God provided for you in the past? How has his presence touched you in the past? Reflect on that in those dark nights of the soul, and it will strengthen you and remind you of the faithful character of God. The fourth thing is this, and this is so important. Reach out. You were not meant to go at it alone. The enemy wants you to stay isolated, feeling sorry for yourself, feeling like you're the only one, just like Elijah. Reach out. St. Paul, when he's talking about the body of Christ being one body, he says this, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You see, we are a family. Look around you. This is your family. We're knit together by the Holy Spirit of God. Reach out to someone and be someone who reaches out when you see someone who just might be suffering or the Lord lays them on your heart. You don't know how that could change a life. I have a few prayer warriors in my life, some people who intercede for me. And there are times when I'm going through difficulty and I think, but I'm the pastor. I can't admit this kind of defeat in my life. And the Lord says, humble yourself and reach out. And every time I do, I call someone or I text someone. They begin to pray for me. My spirit is refreshed. And if you're in a bad place, please reach out to me. I have heard people say, you don't have time for me. You're too busy. Yeah, who isn't? This is what I'm here for. If I don't obey the commission from Jesus that he gave to Peter to feed my sheep, then what am I doing here? I love sitting with people one-on-one in my office. It's probably where the most powerful things in my ministry happens because Jesus shows up and he touches people. 
So it's an open invitation. I'll expect emails in my inbox and messages at the office this week. Sometimes if, when it's not an emergency, I do have to schedule people out a couple of weeks because the calendar is just crazy at certain times of year. But I want that. I want that. So can we be a church that celebrates the purpose and the destiny that God has for us as a church family and as individuals in this life and even through times of discouragement to support one another and to live in the resurrection power of the one who loved us and gave his life for us that we would not be defeated by discouragement. Can we do that? Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Our musicians are going to start to play the worship song. But if you've been going through a period of discouragement or depression or anxiety or fear or anything that you have felt a heaviness on you, I want you to come forward right now to the altar rail. Do not hold back. If the Lord is stirring in your heart, I want you to come forward because we're going to pray as a church family and I am with you. If you have gone through a period of discouragement and you just feel like you could take that, let that heaviness go, honor what the, uh, the Lord will honor your decision to come up here. Don't let the enemy try to hold you back and say there's no need. Come forward to the altar rail. There's going to be, we're going to have people who, they're going to have people who are going to come behind you and pray. And we're going to pray as a church family. I just want people to come up here right now who have you've gone through a period of discouragement in the last year. And there's just any lingering effect from that. I want you to come up. If you feel like you're the only person, then just come up because we're going to pray for you. I want to just do that. Our musicians are going to start the song. And I want people to feel freedom to just come forward and be prayed for. The Lord is going to release you from the burden of heaviness today.